Lindsay. This is the podcast where normally we select a VHS tape from either Lindsay's collection or my collection, but this episode we're doing things a little bit different. We got a guest for you guys, uh, winemaker Chad Hines. Hey everybody. Chad, you brought in a VHS from your collection. I did. Uh, I put a lot of thought into this after you guys told me about your podcast idea. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I made it my own criteria that has nothing to do with maybe what you guys are doing. <laughs> to make this, you know, really suit the purpose of, you know, a VHS podcast, part of it has to be obscurity, I think. Okay. Something that maybe has been lost as formats have moved on. Okay. VHS was its prime, sort of, you know what I mean? Also, my love of Val Kilmer, which has gone you know, beyond the VHS format, <laughs> but definitely blossomed during the VHS format. Yeah, it's also one of those movies that, as a kid, I thought it was the best movie. It was my favorite movie for a long time, and then as I've gotten older, I've realized nobody else has seen it. <laughs> and that's a strange thing to realize, like, this thing you thought was really normal, everybody else has never heard of. The movie is The Saint. From 1997, starring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue. You have a very particular sort of experience with this. You saw this in theaters, right? Oh, yeah. Wait, really? Oh, definitely. So, I think the backstory for this, to put it simply, is just uh, amongst a group of our friends, uh, a common gag is kind of the amusement of my father and his taste in movies. <laughs> I love the man, but there's definitely some funny, uh, some funny uh, loves of his. And this is an example of one of those movies that, you know, I was nine when I first saw this and when it came out, eight or nine. And uh, this was one of those movies that was treated as Jurassic Park or Titanic was. Like, we went and saw it in theaters multiple times. <laughs> and anytime a family member was visiting us, we would go see the same. Like, How many times in theaters did you say? I think you three saw times in three theaters. Three times. Once just me and my dad. Then we brought one grandfather to come. Like, a, a whole a generational thing I had to go see it. And then there was some family members that came to visit from out of the country, and we brought them to see the saint. Like, welcome to America. Here's the same. This was probably an experience unique to your family. Oh, definitely. Which makes it so confusing for me and why I brought it. Because I needed to share it with other people. You have to talk about these things. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw it multiple times in theaters. Um, Val Kilmer was my favorite actor as a kid. Which I don't think was that insane because the well, year before no. was Batman. Yeah, Batman Forever had just come out. Batman Willow, I loved Willow when I Tombstone. Was uh, I loved him from Real Genius originally, but Real Genius stuck is with great. him. Yeah, and that's the other weird thing about this is that watching this movie where this person was like a big star, and then knowing that now they're so <laughs> washed up and like, you know, it's just strange to have somebody that could be that famous now just be so obscure. Chad and I actually had the privilege of seeing Val Kilmer's one-man show in Los Angeles where he played Mark Twain. It Wait, was, really? Yeah. I did not know this either. We, we drove you, down. Yeah, we, we made a road trip. We're, we're Bay Area kids, and we drove down to L.A. and stayed with a friend to see this. It was at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, yeah. and he had heavy prosthesis on. Which he puts on himself, apparently. He yeah. spent lots of money on it. Sean <laughs> has a quote about it. I, Two-thirds of the people on this podcast have a special background with Val Kilmer. I, I guess I haven't talked a lot about my own personal life on the show, nor has Lindsay, but... Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of odd jobs in the film industry, and one of them was being a production assistant on Francis Ford Coppola's uh, vampire experimental <laughs> movie that he shot out in Napa called Twix. His return to form. <laughs> <laughs> Which people can watch on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the credits. Um, but I, I got, I, Val Kilmer was the star of that film, and uh, I got a big taste of Val, and at the time he was kind of... <laughs> workshopping his Mark Twain one-man show. For performance's sake, for just entertainment value, it's incredibly, incredibly wonderful and enjoyable. I don't know if it's actually accurate or not, but mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of actual recordings of Mark Twain. But as far as like embodying a crazy spirit, I think he did a good job. And he also would uh, break character and reference Batman Forever in Mark Twain. Really? <laughs> yeah. Voice. Yeah. Oh Multiple times I think he talked about Batman Forever. Welcome to the Batman <laughs> Forever Cemetery! Yeah. Long story short, though, that's actually significant to this movie. And what I still love about it, even though after watching this now, after I think at least more than a decade, it was jarring. 
to go like, oh man, like what what was I thinking as a child watching this, and what was my dad thinking loving this? <laughs> what does that mean? There's a lot of questions I have now. Um, but what what is good in this movie is just how batshit Val Kilmer is. Even though at this point he wasn't a crazy washed up actor, that was like him at his prime, and he was just being batshit crazy and putting on disguises. I think that's what he does now as Mark Twain. Yeah, and it's I, an extension of the same. Yeah. He's still in character. I, I think that was that's him doing his his thing. You know, I think Real Genius was like the best Val Kilmer, and that even comes through in this performance too. It's almost like that character grew up and became a spy, <laughs> and like every every time he breaks his like stoic side, you see like just kind of a goofy guy, which is very odd. You wouldn't see that in a James Bond movie or a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of uh, ads on this one. I was kind of surprised because I thought Disney had everybody beat on the number of ads. But... Man of the House I held the current record or the previous record of five, and this ties that. Oh, jeez. Now, <laughs> Chad, do you want to talk about the first one? Oh, man. Uh, the first one is the one that actually I remember the most from watching this as a child, and it's the weird um, 3D generated um, Saint sweepstakes that they're offering. Um, especially strange because it had this weird murder theme to it, which has nothing to do with this very PG-13, very non-violent it action felt like movie. It's Yeah, it's like or Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, it, yeah, and they, they reference uh, you could win. Um, a trip to London um, where you would see the Sherlock Holmes Museum. They called it Sherlock Holmes House as well, but yeah. he's not a real person. So there was also like a bus ride to a, like a haunted bus ride. Is part of it. <laughs> it's the bus ride from Harry Potter three. Yeah, um, with the annoying the night head. bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, then there's also glow in the dark watch. Uh, yeah, basically it's like get your decoder ring. Yeah. Uh, as a as a kid when I was watching this, I was really bummed that I wasn't able to enter the sweepstake in time. Yeah, sucks. January sixteenth, nineteen ninety eight. So sorry guys. Next was Kiss the Girls, starring Morgan Freeman, yeah. playing Ashley Morgan Freeman. Freeman. I feel like it was in his post seven, like I'm gonna catch every serial killer in the <laughs> oh, world yeah. phase. He did a string of totally. movies of him catching homicidal murderers and maniacs. And this is in the Alex Cross series, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. he also went on to do Along, Along Came, Came a Spider, Spider. and later uh, Tyler Perry took on the role of Alex Cross. Wait, really? the, Yes, in the self-titled Where he dressed like Alex a grandma. Cross. No, <laughs> no, this is like a serious role by Tyler Perry where oh. he, he hunted down Matthew Fox from Lost. That's who was like a crazy, crazy bald, like Jack serial killer. That's I didn't see it actually, whoa. but I did see the, yeah. the trailer for that. That's trippy. The third trailer was one that I haven't seen, Breakdown with Kurt Russell, but it looks pretty interesting. I'm shocked you haven't seen it. It's got Kurt Russell in there. It's one yeah. that I don't know if I've seen the whole movie, but I remember that trailer really specifically. That was on a few of the movies that I had. So it's one of those movies I feel like I know really well, even though, and what I love the most about watching these trailers is you're like, who's the actress in this movie? You know, like... Yeah. It's like, Kurt Russell, we still know who he is. You know what I mean? Uh, we still know who Morgan Freeman is. But then there's like this main actress of this big action movie and it's like, I have no idea who that was, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. That trailer really made it stand out how much trailers have changed too. Um, the breakdown trailer, because it had all that narration. It gave you the entire synopsis of the movie. And it was just like really battering you with it. Whereas movie trailers now, they seem to kind of try to hold it back a little bit. They try to be mysterious and it's all these pulsing like scenes coming in and out and mm -hmm. a lot of bass. <laughs> yeah, it's the <laughs> that Nolan base. Yeah, mm -hmm. till there was you was the fourth ad, which I have never heard of. Me neither. No, it's I a haven't. '90s romantic comedy, full of like legit actors. Uh, there's Dylan McDermott, Jennifer Aniston, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica oh, she was in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even realize that. She was a major one in the show. Oh, yeah. I can um, that one over my head. There's the other one. There was one other one. There in was, was there was one actress that just baffled me in that ad. The main actress yeah. I didn't recognize. Mm. And Lindsay, you pointed out that it was very on the nose in the way that they are describing it. Yeah, the... I, that was Chad. Oh, oh there's a they... point where the, the the voiceover narration of the preview says, "In this romantic comedy, <laughs> like <laughs> they had to tell you what genre it is. <laughs> like it's just a different time." There's also a break from all the action movies. Yeah. It's like they had to like make sure there was something for everybody, <laughs> and and you know for the first ones you have 
you know, kind of the mystery-loving folks. The second one, people that want some more action, some more thriller. The third one, you know, for your girlfriend or your wife. And then for your deranged child. <laughs> you locked into a basement. The, the final... Okay. Just not that our appetite hadn't already been whetted for the scene. But we end with the most batshit crazy ad and it's I think just, I've ever seen on a VHS It's really team. bad. I know it's 1997, 1998, but that oh. ad was... The, all the graphics. Two years were later was the Matrix. Okay, so the film was called "I Worship His Shadow," <laughs> and I—it's sort of a Fifth Element type thing. It seemed like it wanted to be that, maybe. I was so in baffled by the shittiness of this ad and the like Windows ninety five style like screensaver effects that were in the movie that I just couldn't comprehend. That I guess this was in theaters. I mean, was it, it was really? rated R. So, I mean, at least I got a rating. Yeah. I It just didn't seem like something made for the theaters. It I looked agree. like it was right off the sci-fi channel. It looked, it was It was kind of like a Stargate SG-1 <laughs> type thing where uh, it was very bizarre. But the Stargate SG-1 graphics were better. Yeah. <laughs> Way better, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. It was a really strange ad, and it kind of made you really uncomfortable going into the Saints. <laughs> but it did lower your expectations yeah. a lot. So then when the Saints started, you were really impressed. You're like, there's a budget here. This is amazing. Lindsay, what's your uh, background with Val Kilmer? Was there, were there <laughs> roles of his that you liked growing up? Really, it was... I I, I enjoyed the, the Batman movies, the ones with him and... The, the one where George Clooney played Batman, even mm -hmm. though I know those aren't that popular. The Joel Schumacher ones, yeah. yeah. My favorite film that he was in was definitely Willow. Like, I mm. loved him in that. He was just such a cheeky bastard. <laughs> he was sort of like a, a swashbuckler. Yeah, with awful he? teeth. Mm. That's the thing. Like, he had bad teeth. He wasn't that attractive. You realize that you're looking at him on screen, and he looks like he smells, but he's still so <laughs> charming. Like most swashbucklers. Yeah, it <laughs> Like it Jack works. Sparrow. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, that's true. I definitely think that Val Kilmer is... Um, uh, on a list of mini actors who could have had the resurgence that Johnny Depp had in 2001. You know what I mean? Like, they're these kind of eccentric, weird actors who have good looks, uh -huh. but are almost too weird to really fit into the mainstream. Except he kind of let himself go. Yeah, that's the problem. I yeah. feel like a Val Kilmer resurgence is still upon us. I hope so. I I, I really Twix hope so. was definitely not the vehicle for <laughs> no. that, but he's just so good. Like, when he's, it, uh, like you said, all the little things he does in this. Um, <laughs> Val Kilmer plays Simon Templer, a sort of self-employed spy who's stealing secrets. More of a thief, I think. More of a thief, He uses yeah. spy techniques. He uses spy techniques. There's sort of a James Bond bent to him. He refuses to kill anyone. Yeah. Is a yeah. is a big part of this version of he the He lives sounds. in a PG-13 world. He lives <laughs> even almost in the PG world. Yeah. But, yeah. Even um, the sex scenes he lives in his life are just very gentle. A lot of cuddling and yeah. trembling. <laughs> He's asking if we can just hold each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that the plot in, the, in a nutshell is really he's approached by this um, would-be Russian dictator, this kind of aspiring politician, Tridiak, to steal cold fusion secrets <laughs> to allow him to overthrow the existing Russian government. Russia, this is, the, this is Moscow tomorrow. It's yeah. Moscow in the near future. Everyone's freezing. Mm -hmm. and I forgot the dot, dot, dot. It's Moscow, dot, 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 tomorrow. Moscow ellipsis tomorrow. Yeah. And he, as luck would have it, the secret to cold fusion lies in beautiful Elizabeth Shue. Beautiful <laughs> genius virgin Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> <laughs> Schoolgirl. Uh, who, um, clumsy schoolgirl. Who prompts our saint to learn uh, a few miracles of his own, I yeah. dare say. Yeah, uh, the plot is very, very confusing. As a kid, I thought it was confusing because I was a kid. And now mm -hmm. I'm an adult and it's confusing because it's very poorly written, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, you know, it's an espionage thriller. They're trying to do twists that work out a little too conveniently. Um, it's weird how much it's kind of like a really shitty cross between a James Bond movie and like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. But then also like the humor is dialed up to like nine so often that it really disjoints a lot of the movie I find in a way that those are the best parts to me. I think this movie yeah. would have been better if it was rewritten as 
like a spoof. I kind of wonder if they realized this isn't going to be a hard-hitting thriller, yeah. so we should dial up that comedy to make it kind of funny and yeah. a little bit of a parody of itself. Like, it makes fun of itself. It felt a little bit like a Roger Moore Bond film, which is mm-hmm. um, an interesting coincidence given the history of the series. Yeah, so in the 60s, this was a series in England uh, based on books, actually, from the 40s. And Roger Moore uh, played Simon Templer in the series. Uh, kind of a crazy back and forth between it and Bond. He turned down the role of Bond twice because he was still fulfilling his contract as the saint. In the 80s, Pierce Brosnan was going to play the saint in the original plan to make a movie out of it, but that fell through somehow. Apparently there was like a list of people that turned it down before Val Kilmer, including <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, Johnny Depp, Mel Gibson, just like a crazy list of people. Like, what the hell would an Arnold Schwarzenegger version yeah. of this movie have been like? <laughs> Those people you mentioned, I feel like only Johnny Depp can mm-hmm. pull that off. I'm not familiar with the TV show at all. Wait, like, you don't think Mel Gibson could do this? Uh, if all of them are tortured, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see it, that's for sure. I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 that's the thing about this movie that I love, though. It's I would kind of put it into the camp of a movie that's like so bad that I like it. Because it doesn't really work, but that's why it's been lost to time, and we have to <laughs> d- dive into the annals of VHS to find it again and be like, what was this thing that apparently everybody thought was acceptable at the time? It made quite a bit of money. You know, I mean, there should have been a sequel by standards. You know, it doubled its uh, money there, which is strange, but it's just such a weird movie. It spends most of its time watching Val Kilmer method act while <laughs> method acting. And, like, I mean, honestly, just like, the humor of some of these characters, like it's amazing, it's startling. The gay German guy in the pantsuit putting on lipstick, like yeah. what the fuck? Like yeah, there's a lot of I I was keeping a tally of how many disguises because that's a huge part of the character. At least in this rendition, again, I can't we can't speak to the show because I don't think. Did you watch the show at all, Lindsay? Are no. you familiar? I watched it by remember it. It was okay. very tame. There was not any kooky disguises from what I remember. I counted eleven. Possibly 11 and a half disguises. I don't understand why you don't count the Australian. (laughs) Well, basically, the very first disguise he has is a random Russian officer Mm -hmm. who then takes off his his garb and then just has an Australian accent with the same, like, gray mustache and gray hair. And he then morphs into a drunk Russian, then a a Eurotrash tourist. I think so. Then a vampire... (laughs) <laughs> on well, a Spanish my, my notes say a Spanish vampire <laughs> more or less <laughs> even the film style changes during that like three minutes yeah. when the yeah. woman's in bed and his hands caress her at night it's like, a very yeah. vampire moment <laughs> why did it do that it's well because Bram St- Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula oh, yeah. came out recently that's true actually uh, yeah. disguise number five was a foppish over the top 90s gay German <laughs> wearing a sweatsuit <laughs> yeah disguise number six was a creepy crypt keeper character <laughs> the comb over who was uh, th- this was when he was trying to mine secrets from Elizabeth Shue. That one oh, is literally keeper. He, I he, he had the like comb just, over. Yeah, he's, he's really creepy. He, he was just a nerd. That he's one sort of, could have been in like an Eddie Murphy the Clumps type movie. Yeah. That character is like straight out of a <laughs> shitty 90s comedy. I mean, he, That's the one I don't yeah. like out of all of them. I like all the rest. Yeah. Number seven is uh, the swarthy poet traveler who... <laughs> My favorite. He basically Val Kilmer uh, reverse engineers this identity. It's basically... Elizabeth Shue's dream man, and this is this is who he thinks by breaking into her apartment <laughs> and looking at all her personal things. Like this is her the ideal man, and this is I think the weirdest one of all. <laughs> totally. Well, especially because he sees a picture of her with her dad, and he has long <laughs> shoulder length hair. And what kind of wig does he choose? Oh yeah, he know he knows the Oedipus. He, he's situation. up on his Freudian psychology. I mean, this isn't even like a Fabio type character. No. Like he's, I mean, this is a really creepy guy who keeps money inside of his underwear. <laughs> which which matches with her keeping her notes in her underwear. Yeah. So, yeah. It's almost like every moment, you know, she kind of goes like, oh, I'm not good and I'm not good with people. And he like, you know, had just said, I just don't know what to do and like walks mm-hmm. off and she reveals that she keeps notes in her underwear and he keeps lots and lots of money in his. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I think the worst part about his role here is that if he wasn't, if he didn't express to her that he was rich, 
I wonder if he would have come up come off as creepier a lot earlier and she wouldn't have had sex with him. Oh, like if he couldn't have afforded that, that eight hundred exactly. pounds. Once he did that, she's like, he, "How crazy can he be? He's got all this money." Like, see, I think what hooked her was—I mean, in the movie's logic, and in, in yeah. ninety-seven logic, the fact that he made this really creepy, like, sort of got in her face and was making all these advances in his leather pants, and then at the last minute, he pulled away and said. I'm not good with people. Yeah. And left to show how socially awkward he really is at heart. Well, that was the first one. And then after they kind of had drank two bottles of wine and really like did this moment where he psychoanalyzed her and then she psychoanalyzed him, he kind of got all huffy and like ran away with a bottle of wine crying. <laughs> Literally <laughs> says to her, I was sobbing, I slipped. Like, it's insane that this guy would be attractive. Like, it's insane. <laughs> I think that would be like a great short film. Just watching Val Kilmer play this character. Then the movie could have ended and I would have been like just as happy. Personally. But Lindsay, you're about to say, what does he do? After oh, after that, oh, after that, they get to the apartment. She's cleaning up his head and not noticing he's wearing a wig, even though he cut himself right under the end of the wig there. He slices his forehead open as a means of getting into her apartment. Yeah, Very as he's crying and runs away. And then they get in, and he's just, what was it? She she asked him to take, please, take off your pants. Except, er, oh, I meant your shirt. Yeah, take she says that, because she's all, she, she's never been in this situation before. And she really, she, yeah. she wants his penis. But she's a beautiful, brilliant woman. It's hard to believe that she's never been with anyone. I mean, and, that's the implication of the, of the movie, yeah. right, is that she's a virgin. I also want to know, does she wear perfectly matched lingerie just every day of her life if you're a virgin maybe you're just always you're just always ready it could happen you're at any moment <laughs> yeah i think the sex things in this movie were really really weird just like straight out like the only thing i can compare not just this one where he's kind of acting so he's being really sensitive but throughout the whole movie and they're not really sex scenes they're cuddle scenes, <laughs> cuddle scenes but there yeah. you assume that there's gonna be sex it's a lot of like val kilmer like on the verge of tears about how moved he is by this. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, you would never see that in an action movie. Like, it's insane that that was the situation that they decided to be like, yeah, like, it's like Dawson's Creek, like, when they're about to lose their virginity. Like, they're, like, weeping yeah. to each other. Like, I really love you. And, like, yeah. I wonder if they were trying to make this a movie that worked for everyone. Like, yeah. take your wife, take your girlfriend. They're <laughs> going to love little, it. Take your daughter. It was focus group for your family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think so. It's so weird. Yeah. Oh. Again, it's it's tough to come back to after so long and be like, we saw this so many times. It's just such a bad movie, really. I mean, I kind of liked so it. Weird though. Yeah. I just don't see how they connect, but I think they're both such desperate, awkward people. Yeah. Well, she's able to kind of break through his tough saintly hide by yeah. saying, saintly uh, hide. by by <laughs> sort of just. I'm figuring out that he lost someone special. It's true. Because uh, the, the film actually opened with a flashback to when he was in an orphanage. Because all heroes are orphans. Oh, of yeah. course. Um, I mean, and he does become the Batman. He does, he does. And while attempting to throw his knife in the air, which is the only thing that I remember from this movie. <laughs> I saw this movie like in the fourth grade. In attempting to do this cool knife trick, <laughs> he alerted the nuns to their breakout from the orphanage. And in the process, uh, <laughs> they, they, he inadvertently got his... Uh, A his... priest lets two German shepherds at them. Like, is <laughs> yeah. there one of them to eat them? And, and in the process, he... I mean, it was this whole escape that he had, had planned with a bunch of of his uh, friends who are wearing capes and the love of his life, Agnes. Agnes. They're like nine years old, but they're deep. This kid's been in love with anything he opens <laughs> into. It's like he got a spell cast on him that he'll fall in love with the next person he sees constantly. Like The thing is, the casting was kind of weird, too, because they picked an adult that looked like the grown-up version of the girl who died. Yeah, it's he has true. He's a thing for blondes, you know? So, like, he's a replacement for her dead father. And she's a replacement for Agnes, the dead girl, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There, so, there are a few more disguises I just wanted to mention just to get through them. Was there anything else really good? Um, about the swarthy poet traveler. No, well, no, about the rest of the disguises. Oh, there's, there's a couple okay, really sorry. great ones. Keep going. Um, the eighth one is Mission Impossible style. He is an exact duplicate of the bad oh, guy. Yeah, that's that was true. Great. To the extent that that one took me off guard, I almost feel like they used the actor. To uh, the the actor who played Trudy Act to be him in some shots. I was, didn't. I was watching it. Okay. Well, yeah. I didn't. I was fooled. I was fooled. Too. I was sainted. Oh. <laughs> I like uh, especially how they take that and instead of if any other actor would have been doing what Val Kilmer was doing, where he's 
aping the bad the bad villain and sitting right next to him, you know, and obviously he ends up holding a knife to him to get money transferred to an account. It's very typical espionage. But Val Kilmer has to first do like a oop what? Oh, do like we're looking into a mirror gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like repeating the words that they're saying, like as though he's trying to convince him that he's really looking at himself in a mirror for like a couple like a minute at least. It's hilarious. Those moments they do that. of humor I really feel like were just injected by Val <laughs> Kilmer so. himself because He's kind of known for that, for having this really yeah. off-kilter sense of humor. Oh, sorry, one it thing. It makes the movie work. Like, for yeah. me, that's what made the movie work. If it didn't have that humor, I would not It'd have been horrible. It. Oh, totally. I was assuming really fast, that crazy poet character we were talking about, important element of that, there's a moment where she's reading one of the poems because he leaves his poetry behind for oh, her to God. find, and she's sitting at a cafe and reading it out loud, and then he walks up and starts reading right where she was at in the poem, and they read it together. And Val Kilmer actually wrote the poetry for the movie himself, which I yeah. think is... Of course he that's did. That's just... There it is. And it's just everything is so creepy about his relationship with her. <laughs> like, it's like, yes, I was stalking you. I'm reading this poetry. But, oh, no, now you think I'm romantic. Yeah. This is just a chance. This is fate. Yeah. He reads her like a poem, man. <laughs> uh, my favorite disguise is actually his ninth disguise in the film. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> It happens after a number of false endings that the movie has, where it sort of seems like, you know, it seems like we've sort of gotten away from the danger, Elizabeth Shue is safe in the U.S. Embassy, and of course Val Kilmer has thrown himself back into enemy territory dressed as an old witch. <laughs> It's like an old me. Who's it's wearing like, like this huge babushka, like this comically large babushka thing, like Russian hat indoors, like sweeping up right around this super secret It's like a Monty Python woman costume. Yeah. And he, he's made no efforts to really disguise his face except for put a bunch of blush on his cheeks. Yeah, and there's also like a small thread that there are these... Um, inspectors from England trying to track down this damn saint and they're the most like incompetent people ever like basically what happens is Elizabeth Shue they, they're questioning her to try to get like a clue so they can find this guy and Elizabeth Shue is able to reverse engineer their theory to actually track him down and then she by herself just goes after him in Russia without the police it's just ridiculous I love that uh, just to the end, yeah. It's really completely on the side. Like it really doesn't affect like the main storyline at all. It's just like this thing proving how he's this international thief. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants him. When she showed up in Russia after forgetting how this movie worked, I was like, oh wait, is she gonna get him like arrested by like like the British inspectors? Like that'd be crazy because that he could just go to jail forever. Like yeah. how's he gonna get out of that? You know? Well, he'd make up a disguise and. It would all work out, but in normal, life, yeah. <laughs> in normal life, how would he get out of that? I wish there was a sequel where there's a point where he has to dress like Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> and I really thought the big twist, like the big reveal, I know this is a few years before The Sixth Sense, but I really thought that there'd be a big twist at the end where a character that had not shared any scenes with Val Kilmer would just turn out to have been Val Kilmer the whole time. <laughs> That's true. That's what I was holding out for, but I think that we just weren't into that like era of twists quite yet. I think that was more like 99 when that, yeah. when the Shyamalan, <laughs> the Shyamalan took began. over. Yeah. That, that, overall, I guess that's what I'll say is I, I definitely like this movie as an entertainment piece. It's, it's weird. It doesn't really work that well. The plot's very convoluted. But what Val Kilmer's doing is really, really interesting and crazy, and that alone makes it worth checking out. But I think, I wish somebody could have come into this and rewritten it to tailor to that style, kind of like what you're saying, to make the whole twist of an ending be about his disguises. Mm -hmm. Obviously the only thing that works in this movie is the disguises. The rest is like really tame versions of other things. But that's actually really unique. Like it's a really weird movie that just about this weird thief character who's just constantly putting on disguises and like the weird love affair he has with this scientist woman. Like focus on that and like don't spend so much time with the really complicated cold fusion elements of it. And whenever Val Kilmer's character gets like really stoic, it seems like oh he's pretending to be yeah. um the guy from Mission Possible's name, Ethan... Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt. It's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to do that now. Yeah. But then he breaks that character often to make, mm. make gags. I'm like, well, I would like it more if he was just that guy. He was this weird, funny guy who happened to be a thief. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I wish we could, like, watch a movie that was really goofy and strange but kind of kept it straight enough so that you're still watching an action movie. Kind of like, um, like the way they do, like, the Sherlock Holmes movie now mm -hmm. where he's, like, this bumbling, crazy person. 
but it's still like an action movie. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. But you're still reveling in like his eccentricity the whole time. Mm-hmm. He never like just plays a normal guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think this would have been a lot better if they could have rethought that. But of course, who in Hollywood is going to do that? You know, they yeah. obviously made its money back. He also has those moments of being vulnerable, like when she <laughs> goes to get her. They're they're gonna get it on. He's got her shirt off, and she goes to get her heart medicine, and he's just like, "What are you doing? What are you doing to yeah. yourself?" Just, <laughs> It's like a it's scene in like Jerry Maguire or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very vulnerable natural scene that's not what you expect from some international thief. The problem is that Val Kilmer is just too good of an actor, I think. I bet like the line just said they take off her shirt, they kiss, and like they lay down on the bed. And Val Kilmer's like, Well no, that's not what he'd be feeling. He'd be so confused. And he just decided to rewrite the yeah. scene. Yeah, I mean, and it's a good call on his part because he would seem like such an asshole if he's mm-hmm. just deflowering this thirty-five-year-old yeah. scientist <laughs> just for just to steal, knowing that he's gonna rob her of her secrets. Yeah. Oh, her secrets. That's the the science. Like they they really tried to explain it, and they didn't explain it well. And there's that extended scene where she's explaining how cold fusion oh, yeah. works to make the audience feel like they get what's going on. But she's just making it really sexual. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, a scene that in another movie would have just gone to the full joke of it being an orgasm. Like yeah. she's describing this thing, and it's so fascinating. And and then and then the cold fusion, and like it, it's just you really were expecting them to just make it like a blatant gag somehow, yeah. like have something like water shoot out somewhere or something <laughs> in the background. Like this movie's like so confusing for me to watch it, and like I wish it would just commit more to these jokes. Yeah. Because I don't want to laugh at the movie. I want to laugh with the movie more, you know? Like, yeah. There's yeah. definitely a crisis of tone. Even the the look of the film, as you pointed out, Chad, is very blue. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of common of the... I mean, previous to this, he'd also done Heat, which oh, is a movie yeah. that also is very blue. But I think that's more just a Michael Mann thing. Yeah. But it kind of had that look about it. This mm-hmm. sort of, like, pre-Matrix kind of... This is the future, man. <laughs> I think that's another thing that makes this movie a cool time capsule and worthy of your VHS viewing is the time period it's based in. It's really like relishing in its what you just pre-matrix. There's all this really weird, crazy, like pre-iPhone technology that then attaches to like pre-AOL yeah. internet messages. Yeah. Lindsay, what was the phone that he was using? It was he like he was using it was a it was an Think of your old school Nokia cell phones, but bigger, and it could flip open on the side like one of those old sidekicks that you would text message on. Mm-hmm. But before the sidekick. Yeah, but this is before that, and it's this hulking cell phone. <laughs> it just and it, they had to have invented for the movie, like you yeah. said, Chad. Right? Like I, I don't think that was a real thing. If so, yeah, I, I, like I said, if so, then that was something like the president had, and like that yeah, was it. Because like they're true. sending like emails to each other <laughs> on their phones. <laughs> it's video chat at one yeah. point. They're like video messages. Yeah. The yeah. phone. His phone is so confusing that the bad guy doesn't know which side to talk into. <laughs> yeah, he's just like turn it around, dum dum. <laughs> But then, no, and they're using all this fancy technology, and then suddenly you see faxes and floppy disks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. He's doing yeah, exactly. He's on his phone sending emails to people, basically in 1997, and then he like puts some, something on a floppy disk drive <laughs> to go then load it onto his phone and send it to the villain. Like, uh, but it's so it's fun to watch it though, because at the time when I was a kid, it was just like whoa, this is crazy. This is the yeah. future. Yeah. But I think it's like you take that tech for granted, right? Oh, like yeah. everybody just thought, floppies, this is the thing. This is it. And then totally. there were zip drives. You yeah. can still remember zip drives. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those they, were, I still they use disa- them sometimes. They disappeared, <laughs> though, right? They pretty much completely yeah. disappeared, and it only took like three, five years. For well, them you to still disappear. use like the zip disks. Like oh, those. Wait, with the, the zip drive. Maybe I'm confused. A zip drive is like a floppy, but like fast. Oh, okay, no, I don't But use bigger, that. and it comes with its own drive that you Plug oh, in your I know what you're yeah. talking about. You have to store things. No, yeah. no. I, I remember them being in Face Off, which is this <laughs> this year also. Oh, that's a um, good one. Yeah, that's probably gonna end up on the show. Um, I have not seen Face Off. Oh. The only other two costumes that I haven't mentioned are he becomes Mark Twain which is in the embassy. He, I mean, essentially, he's quoting this, Mark Twain. Yeah, and he does Mark. have the bushy mustache. I'm sure that was in Val Kilmer's contract. Yeah. And at the very end, he just becomes a Russian soldier again, which, which is, is kind of a reprise of his yeah. first costume. It's a bit of a basically. letdown. 
Yeah, there's also a special like a couple moments where you see Val Kilmer looking into a mirror with a picture of the the person he wants to become. You know, in this instance, it was a Russian soldier, and he's just looking at it, putting on his prosthetics, and slowly taking on their voice. And I'm like, this is just what he does when he's acting, like in his trailer. And he just wanted to do it. I think it's so funny. I just want to know, like, how he went about choosing the voices, like his artist voice that he used to That's seducer. That was such a weird accent. I was listening to it, and I'm like, this is not the stereotypical, like, hot English man that you well, think of. Yeah, well, he was alluding to the fact that he's from South Africa. But that was not a South African yeah. accent. No, it was wasn't. just weird. It wasn't even on par with like Leonardo DiCaprio's no. Blood Diamond, which I've which I've heard from South Africans. It's like a joke. It will, is terrible, but they still really liked the performance. Which I think Val Kilmer is kind of a Leonardo DiCaprio in some way because he's not great with accents, but he just yeah. gives it hundred ten percent that you just love it regardless. Uh, <laughs> it's that commitment. Yeah, it's it's, it's honorable and charming. Um, the scene also drives a Volvo, and you mentioned that there's some significance to that. Well, the, the main significance is that the Volvo, he drives a Volvo here, and in the miniseries in the 60s, he also drove a Volvo, which is just so silly to me. Like, I like Volvos, but that's something like, I can get a Volvo. <laughs> when you think of a spy movie, it's always like Aston Martin or a Porsche or a BMW. It's whatever, you know, the highest in car of the time is, and a really special model. Yeah. And I like how, like, this movie that I'm assuming had a budget to get whatever they wanted just went like, <laughs> No, let's do a Volvo. And like, it's kind of a shitty-looking car. <laughs> it looks too. like a mom car. You know, like it. But just, it was red. It, it was red. That's true. And red means fast. Exactly. Yeah. But it really does look like a mom car. It's just. It's like. It's one of those things about this movie that makes it seem like a joke. But they did that legitimately. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I wonder one thing. Like he's so into blending in with anywhere he goes. Is mm. it partly that he wouldn't have? Like, this character would not have a Ferrari or some kind of fancier car. That's a good point. That's true, actually. Because also, like, the whole stake of the movie is that he's basically a thief who's trying to steal money till he can accrue $50 million. Because at that point, he's done and he can just live off that the rest of his life. So maybe spending that kind of money is getting in the way of him ever getting that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do kind of want to talk about Elizabeth Shue's character because she was really annoying to watch in that she was, I don't know, they gave her this kind of powerful role and she's has this, she's this brilliant scientist, she's got this world changing technology that she's developing, but she's, she dresses like a schoolgirl. She's incredibly shy and awkward and just obsessed with the book, so this means that she just can't connect with boys. And then she's completely taken in by Val Kilmer, just like that. It's just so... Not just Val Kilmer, his creepy poet. His unbelievably creepy poet. <laughs> she's exposed to his two creepiest disguises, <laughs> the Crypt Keeper and the Swarthy Poet and Traveler she, in and Leather she Pants. Was, she was charmed by both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. notice, like, even with the Crypt Keeper, she was smiling. It's Who cool. openly insulted her. He was like, do you believe this? <laughs> This cold fusion mumbo jumbo. Like, yeah, which was a good, which was a good line for her. But otherwise, she's very passive in the movie. Like, remember the there's a scene I can't remember the setup for it, but when she's running in the station. Uh, which one? Where she just starts running. Out oh of yeah, she just oh, runs yeah. away from Val Kilmer inexplicably. And it just, it's totally out of nowhere. There's no indication, like, he's, she's established, okay, he won't tell me his name, and he won't tell me where he's from, right? That's what it was. It was those two things. And then suddenly, she's just running for it, and it's like, that's what it takes to get you to run for it. Not all of the creepy things yeah. he said earlier. Well, and they'd already gotten past the part of her being mad at him and, like, yeah. kissed a bunch. <laughs> and then they're at this point where he was going through his disguise locker, which apparently exactly. he has in Russia. And talking like really comfortably where that he was like, yeah. yeah, we're gonna have this much money and then who knows, maybe we can, you know, like almost alluding to like, will you marry me in a weird yeah. way? Yeah. And then it's like click and she just runs away and takes off and it's it's insane. But I think it's one of those things, it's another thing in the movie where it's just like this convenient device. Like yeah. I mean that's that's what her character was to some extent, was just this device. Like she created this technology that he that made it so that he had to do all of these things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then when she runs away, she runs into one of the bad guys and starts a big huge chase throughout all of Moscow. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah. I mean it, it's it's strange. 
That just makes me think of the <laughs> the art dealers. <laughs> Another convenient female character who's so just right there. One of these chases time. leads them into the sewer. Um, one of these chases with Tridiax goons. I guess one of them's his son, maybe. Um, and they they run into these subterranean art thieves that <laughs> bail them out of trouble. They're running like they're like they have nowhere to go. They don't know what they're doing. And this, you know. Very sexy, strange woman in a beret says, I'm waiting for you. Come here. And like leads them into her room that they can seal off so they can hide from yeah. the goons that are coming for them. Without any explanation, there's no illusion of the fact that maybe um, Val Kilmer actually knows her. Yeah. It's he just like happenstance. And she happens to not only deal art, but she also has maps of all the tunnels that exactly, multiple yeah. times come up to help them basically guide them exactly where they need to go like alleviating <laughs> most problems you know what i mean like it might have been a, a holdover from a previous mission of yeah, the scene, but exactly. it's not what don't made think clear. So. the other thing is then later she arrives at his random russian hideout yeah. because he's managed to get in contact with her i just don't understand how these things add up but it works perfectly in the movie and you're just supposed to just believe that this is exactly how it is he just knows how to do it she's just a total deus ex machina character and there's also the you mentioned the uh or you mentioned while we were watching it the hooker who has like a secret yeah. chamber in her room and frank the hooker and frank the hooker oh god <laughs> that should be the title of this episode <laughs> the uh yeah the chamber where they hide from the secret police briefly until inexplicably the goons who had just like waited for yeah. them to come out of their hiding place and gone like, eh, let's get out of here. They sneak out, run into like the first mm -hmm. building they can find. The goons just apparently decide to circle back out of nowhere and just know which building to go into. Absolutely. Murder a man <laughs> yeah. for no reason at all. They shoot him for like making a crack about a polar bear. Yeah. Like a completely, you the, know, team joke. The thing is, I wonder if they made a cut or they forgot. Because you had pointed out when Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue went into this hooker hideaway, they <laughs> gave the hooker a hundred dollars yeah. of USD and they put it up on the clothesline mm -hmm. and then the bad guys completely missed it. They didn't actually They don't show them go like right? pull it down. I think like, that was for it. the clothes that they took. Yeah. Like, maybe they... I think it was also for the help, like yeah. helping them out and everything. That would have made it better though. But like, it seemed like they were the setting guy. that up. Oh. And it like it seemed like a setup in uh. the film, like where they were trying to set up Oh, oh then the bad the guys are gonna find it, and then all yeah. that stuff. Like they just didn't go there. They didn't explain it well enough to me, so it just seemed weird. It was really weird. Yeah, it was also a great way for them to get some more uh, PG thirteen boobs in. Well, see, a normal movie, yeah, yeah. it would've been like great boobs, but that those boobs turn into just like the most intense cuddling and like <laughs> yeah, like just like. Val Kilmer, instead of just you know taking on those boobs like a monkey spy man, goes like. When I was a boy, <laughs> a little girl fell down. I love her. My name's Simon. Like, he passes his name to her. Like, what the fuck's going well, maybe on? Maybe he's a virgin, too. That's, no, no. He's speculated. Well, no, he's not. We the first oh, scene, like on the airplane with that oh, woman. Oh, that's right. He actually is that's like right. a total womanizer. But he's never had a real connection. Oh, you're with right. A woman. So he's a, he's a love virgin. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. But that Except woman for his on the precious plane, Agnes. did they have. Did they join the Mile High Club, or do we not? We don't actually know that. She, he gave her a necklace with the microchip on it. To clarify, this is when he's the vampire on the plane, <laughs> yeah. the Spanish vampire. I forgot he did go to her bedroom and leave her room. <laughs> he yeah. walked away. Because he was in character when he was escaping, so his character would have left did, a rose there. Where, where did he get the rose? Did he have it on the plane? I can't remember. Spanish vampires always have roses. <laughs> yeah, just tucked in there. Don't worry Ask about it. Don't ask. Ah. I was gonna say really fast. Also, um, one of one of the things that really stood out to me this time. I guess there's a few things. I'll say that coming back to it now after 12 years. Besides all this obvious stuff, the little things that like as a kid you forget. Mm -hmm. um, lots of weird like subtle sexual innuendos that are yeah. really really like amateurish. Just like random, <laughs> random like. Blowjob references. Getting her on her knees in front of yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, like in this emotional moment where um, um, Elizabeth Shue is freaking out because she doesn't have her uh, heart medication and they've just been captured by the goons. He's like, don't worry, I've got your pills. Here, get on your knees. <laughs> Why does he have her pills? <laughs> it was just no strange. Idea. 
And then uh, she takes the pills, and it's like him showing his like major sensitivity for her. And then he's like, "Well, you're down there." And there's like a long pause, and he's like, "Grab the knife out of the boot." <laughs> it's just like that's like such an Austin Powers line. Yeah. So Val Kilmer, um, when he is dressed as the main bad guy, and he's doing the mirror interaction with the bad guy. And he's just got him to transfer all the money over to his account. And he's about to escape. He's like, fuck you to him. Is, you know what the worst part about being you was? Pretending to be bad in bed. And he just runs <laughs> off. And what I said earlier was like, if this was like a really gritty movie, I think that might allude to the fact that he like had sex with his wife in costume or something weird like that. But in this movie, it's just like the something another 13-year-old would say to another 13-year-old. Like yeah. the stupidest thing ever. It's like, Val Kilmer, we know you don't have sex. <laughs> I almost think part of it is just like, what could we, what could we interject to make this movie cool and yeah. fun? Yeah. Val Kilmer is constantly interacting with these same Russian bad guys. Um, it starts out with him stealing a microchip from him. And then, after he gets away, they choose to hire him to get the cold fusion notes because they like him so much and he's such a tricky guy. Well, because he shows up to the meeting <laughs> posing as the gay German assistant to Val Kilmer. Yeah. But it's obviously Val Kilmer, but they're just so tickled by that. Yeah. And he's wearing some crazy stuff, too. And it's kind of like they're like, ah, this guy, I like this guy. Like, it's kind of a running gag. And, like, as they're doing weird coded messages back and forth to each other as... Spider and fly, like really annoying <laughs> shit. Um, at one point, the Russian's like, "I like this guy." It's just like, I'm like, why? Why would this Russian care about this guy? It's such a strange situation. Okay. All right, guys, we've talked a lot about the saint. Um, now I've come to the part of the show where we decide: do we buy it, rent it, or tape over it? Chad, we're gonna start with you. This is your selection. How do you feel after all these years? I feel. I feel confused for people that didn't grow up with this in the way I did. Like, if, if you... It's like you're part of a cult. <laughs> no, it's like, what if you grew up your whole life and your dad told you that summer was called winter and winter was called summer, and you uh -huh. didn't find out until you finally went to school? Titanic was the same. Exactly. The that, I thought that this was a movie that should have been in everybody's household, that everybody saw four times in theaters. Did you talk to your friends about the saint at the time? You know, I did, but I also went to a private Christian school where there was 10 kids in my class. Yeah. So we were all weird, closeted people. <laughs> and by the time I got into high school, which was like a bigger endeavor, I think I already had enough of a sense of irony that I relished in how weird this movie was. Yeah. I didn't even watch it then, but I would talk about it as a joke. Um, that all happened in the span of like five years, you know. But um, so, yeah, I don't know how other people coming to this for the first time would feel, but I'm honored to have this in my collection just for how batshit crazy it is and, yeah. and Val Kilmer's acting the weird sex scenes that shouldn't be the way they are just the if you could just buy this for 99 cents at an Amoeba Records or what have you and just watch when Val Kilmer is seducing Elizabeth Shue initially as the traveling <laughs> poet yeah. that alone is well worth a dollar it's so <laughs> interesting it's like amazing I mean that's the great thing about VHS now is it's cheaper to to buy it on VHS than <laughs> yeah. it really to rent it in any format. That's true. Yeah, I think a rental, like the base fee for rental on Amazon or iTunes is three or four dollars, oh, totally. right? And three, even three, if you get it free from the library, you're gonna forget to return it and those fees <laughs> will stack up. If your library yeah. has this, which means yeah. you found yourself into a time traveling line and, library. And look out because the librarian is actually Val <laughs> Kilmer in disguise. <laughs> oh man, that'd be the greatest. So it sounds like a buy it from Chad. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna stand you're by sticking, it. Sticking to your guns, I like that. I'm gonna say rent it. I had a blast watching this film. It was actually better than I remember it. When I saw it, I was very young and just so baffled by the plot, but this time I think I was really able to steep in it and really enjoy the goofiness of Val Kilmer's performance. I could not imagine this movie with any other actor. No. Uh, I, I would say rent it. I'm gonna say rent it and watch it with other people. Because if you rent it and watch it by yourself, you're just going to feel kind of confused and unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch it with other people, you can make fun of it, and that's the fun of the movie. Yeah. It might be a good like thing to watch like after a breakup or something. You know? <laughs> just like getting in touch yeah. with like what it means yeah. to feel again. Oh, God. You know? Yeah, no. Uh, but it was, it was fun. It was problematic. It was a little bit, uh, was a little bit confusing, but it definitely entertained. Mm-hmm. 
So Chad, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, um, tell us a little bit about your winery and where folks can, can find you. Yeah, so I make some wine uh, up in Napa is where I'm currently making it. So I, what I do is make wine using as little technology or modern process as possible. So naturally made wine, nothing added to it, nothing taken out. Uh, and we focus on Cabernet Franc and Chenin Blanc, which for my mind is kind of the uh, big red and white grape of the Loire Valley in France, which is a region I really like. Um, so yeah, if you want to check it out, uh, my website is methodesauvage.com. And if you live in California, I can ship you some wine. And hopefully soon, anywhere in America can ship you some wine. And for folks lucky enough to live in the Bay Area, they can actually get your wine in stores right totally, now, right? Totally. At Byright? Byright's in San Francisco and local cellar uh, in the East Bay Ordinaire is a good spot. Uh, yeah, totally. And which labels can we find right now? Right now, I have a side label called Wundekind out, and there's a Blau Frankish and a Kerner. Those are almost gone though, so the Chenin Blanc will be coming out next, which you guys yeah. helped bottle. Oh, and yeah. we know is delicious. Because yes. they have some at home. We got a sample case. Yes. <laughs> the only way to sample is in 12 bottle forms. So yeah, definitely come check it out. Uh, I'll have a kind of random red blend being released soon. And then Cab Franc in a few months, hopefully. Excellent. Yeah. And if you head over to tpedspodcast.com on the show notes for this episode, we'll give you all the links to Chad's wine, and you can check that out. And then on the next episode, we'll be watching The Three Musketeers, a great Disney film that I don't know how many... Have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah. the, this is the 1993 okay, Three Musketeers. Yeah. Chris O'Donnell, Tim Curry, Kiefer Sutherland... Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. That's the best one right it's there. It's an amazing he cast. Was crazy. Tim Curry. I don't know how I never saw this movie. Yeah. I'm a huge Kiefer Sutherland fan. I don't know how it escaped me, but I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in forever. So you can look forward to that week after next. I'd like to thank Will Price, as always, for use of his song Mandatory Groove. You can find more of Will's music at soundcloud.com slash gargantulon. Lindsay, what can people do to help us out? You can look us up on iTunes and subscribe. You can leave a review if you like it. And uh, you can also check out our website, tapeheadspodcast.com, where you'll find updates on the podcast. And you can also like our posts and follow our blog. Aw, yeah. All right, so for Tapeheads, I've been Sean. And I've been Lindsay. And I've been Chad. <laughs> and if you guys liked me, ask me to come back, because I'll bring The Phantom starring Billy Zane. Oh, God. <laughs> I would love to have that on the <laughs> show. Oh, that would be great. Alternative a, action movies. That's that a great teaser. Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. So until next time. <laughs>